The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rock Yarn. A newly recapitalised White Bark Energy has recently relisted on the ASX. It is now focused on expanding production from its Wizard Lake oil and gas property in northern Alberta, just 30 kilometres from Edmonton. Here to bring us up to date with the development plans of the company is Chief Executive Officer Dr Simon Braley. Welcome, Simon. After a wet start, it looks like the company is taking advantage of the Canadian summer to get busy drilling. Can you begin by giving us a short background on the ownership, geology and history of Wizard Lake property, as well as your involvement with the White Park property? Sure, yeah. So the asset was originally part of a joint venture between White Park subsidiary Saltbush Energy and uh, Point Loma. And um, I think actually they were drilling the most recent well, Rex 3, when COVID uh, really started to impact the oil price. And uh, Point Loma basically went bankrupt and Saltbush Energy, White Box subsidiary, became insolvent. Um, then there was a change of management, uh, which is when I came in, and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a second. But effectively, what the, the new management team did, and there's a very complex legal process in Canada called a reverse vesting order, is that they moved the debt of Saltbush into a third-party company, reacquired the assets in a competitive environment uh, for about 300,000 Canadian. And then the, the debt that was in the shell company was no longer payable by the new entity. So um, I'm sure there were some people who weren't very happy, but as it happens through our great relationship building by our, our guy on the ground in Canada, all of the service providers that we were using at that time have agreed to work with us and work on Rex 4. So it's not been a bad outcome. In terms of the jolly, uh, so uh, what I should tell you also is that after Point Loma disappeared, um, during the last 12 months, White Bark uh, and its new subsidiary, we've rebranded as Rex Energy in Canada, have moved to acquire 100% of Wizard Lake and got rid of everything else that was a joint venture with Port, Port uh, Point Loma. So we have got now 100% of the wells, the production and the facilities at Wizard Lake, and that's our focus asset. In terms of the geology, um, it's uh, it seems really interesting. I am a geologist, so this is the bit that interests me. In the 50s and 60s, there's basically pattern drilling on a bunch of Devonian reefs in the area, which are great big subterranean hearts. And they all got played out in the in by the late 60s. But a guy that was working with us in Canada, a geologist, came up with an idea that, well, during the Cretaceous, when, when the Western Canadian sedimentary basin was really undergoing massive uh, deposition, it had to be going around these highs. Now, there's very little seismic at the area, but he came up with a play which uniquely was almost entirely geologic and got them to drill Rex 1 and found the channel sand that he was looking for, which is in the lower Cretaceous Mandel formation. It's called the Rex member sandstone, which is why we've, we've rebranded as Rex. Um, in terms of my own involvement, so about this time, about 16 months ago, so just after the old management had, um, had, uh, had left, they asked me to do an independent geological review of the Wizard Lake asset. So I did that uh, and came up with the, with the conclusion that um, although uh, there were certain issues with the way that the wells had been managed uh, in their early days, 
um, and I'll come on to that shortly. Um, the actual geology itself, I thought was exciting and had a lot, a lot of potential for future development. And, um, and they said, right, well, why don't you feel so confident? Why don't you come on board? Okay, well, that's an interesting thing. Now, the, these are, are quite young sediments compared to, say, what's in the Bakken Shale um, to the south across the border in the United States. That they are, Peter, and the corollary to that is that they're quite shallow. Yeah. And obviously that, it has several implications. Uh, you've got relatively low-cost drilling. Um, you do have relatively low virgin pressure, which needs to be managed uh, in order to optimise production. Yeah, that's right. So uh, what are the targeted oil and gas resources at Wizard Lake that you've identified in, in terms of volume? We're currently going through the June 30, 2022 reserves update. What I can do is talk to the numbers that I most recently did in the last reserves report. So obviously there are various categories of oil and gas resources. Um, there are, in a nutshell, um, the two P reserves are just about 4.88 million barrels of oil equivalent. And about 60% of that is natural gas. Now, that's a good thing uh, because we're all piped into the gas infrastructure and the gas market's very strong in Canada. Um, in terms of breaking that down a little bit more for, for your subscribers, um, there the, the are 1P reserves which are considered proven. And so that's really what you base your value proposition on. And then there's a further breakdown into proven developed reserves, which are those reserves being accessed by the existing wells which are RECs 1, 2, and 3. We've got three wells in the field. And there are those resources, or sorry, reserves, which can be accessed by the existing infrastructure. So the current wellhead that we've got, from which RECs 1 to 3 are drilled, can accommodate a further five wells. So um, without any further infrastructure investment, we're targeting uh, total 1P reserves of about... Um, 2.4 million barrels of oil equivalent. And again, it's we're using some assumptions in terms of the, the gas to oil ratio, but about 60% of it is natural gas in terms of volume. Okay. And how will the field be further developed? I mean, after these three wells that you've got, and what intention uh, to complete and stimulate this 2.4 kilometer horizontal section that you're drilling in the final well? Yeah, so, it, well, it's not final well. It's the first, I hope, of many. Um, so what, and there's, a, there's an al analogy up the road, Kalima Energy, who are our nearest neighbour, both stratigraphically and geographically, they're about 15 kilometres away, and they're exploiting the next youngest sand in the section. And uh, we're, we've learned from previous experience, and we've learned from their current experience, that um, the initial wells, which had horizontal sections of sort of 1,400, 1,700 metres, you know, we could have gone a bit further. Uh, Rex 3 was the longest at about 2,000 metres. And as you say, we're targeting 2,400 metres horizontal section in Rex 4. And that means that we can have more access to reservoir. What I mean by that is we, we intend to put 50 frac stages into that horizontal section, whereas Rex 3, the previous well and, and the next longest, has got 43. So, yeah. uh, uh, and in terms of um, further development, so... We can drill RECs 4 through to 8 to address all of the 1P reserves uh, from the existing wellhead. And, and then the plan after that is we've already got a location for a second uh, well pad, 
just out to the west of where we're currently situated, uh, within our own footprint, within our land footprint, so we don't have to do any land acquisition. And, uh, and that will be able to accommodate Rex um, 9 through to 15, which is, which is effectively the 2P reserves. Yeah, so before you do the horizontal section, how deep is it to get to the targeted reservoir zone? Well, yeah, that's a good question. So we go down to about – the total vertical depth of the reservoir is about 1,415 metres, so fourteen fifteen metres. Yeah. The way that these things are drilled is you, we go down to about 1,250 metres and start to build a tangent. Uh, there, there are some really good stratigraphic markers in the section that we can use to guide us as we go along. Uh, the most critical of which is called the Sparky Coal. Um, and when we hit that, the well will already be at quite a high tangent. And as soon as we see the Sparky Coal, um, then we'll turn the well to horizontal and start to drill a horizontal section. Now, the reservoir, it's a channel sand, and it's at least 30 metres thick. So I've drilled horizontal wells in the North Sea with maybe a, uh, a 10 metre tolerance. So a 30 metre vertical tolerance is pretty good. And we're drilling with the aid of um, geo-steering tools, which mean that, you know, we keep an eye on the cuttings coming up the hole, of course. If we hit the ceiling or the floor of the channel, we just steer the, steer the bit and get back into the channel central. Yeah, that explains why your drilling costs are so cheap in this area. So what, what do you expect to be the total complete, completed cost for a well? Okay, so um, I will give you a number in US, uh, which is about 2.86. But if you don't mind, I'll stick to Canadian and Australian because that's yep. what I've got fixed in my head. So in terms of the drilling, so we're going to approach Rex 4 rather cautiously. Um, the rig is actually moving to site as we speak after all the rain and, the, and further delays with uh, its previous job. And we expect it to be on site on Thursday and probably take about 24 hours to rig up. So the so our plan is to drill the initial hole, get the 2,400-metre horizontal section. Actually, it's not all horizontal. That includes the tangent once we get into the reservoir. Um, and what we want to do is demonstrate that that well bore is fully within oil-saturated reservoir. And the cost of that is um, about just under 2 million Australian. And then to complete the well, which means effectively conducting a 50-stage frac uh, program, is another 2.3 Australian. Yeah. Okay. So like 4.3, 4.5, all up? Um, not quite that much. Uh, 4.3. Um, yeah. And, and obviously, the, as drillers do, there's a contingency built into that cost. Yeah. And so what, uh, given your experience in the field, what level of in initial production is targeted from each well and what is the economic production potential uh, per well? Okay, so um, I, I hinted earlier that I've, when I did my independent review that I thought that there'd been, there could have been better ways to manage the wells when they were brought on. And I'll be brutally honest, um, uh, these, when, when a well is fracked, it needs some time to clean up inverted commas, which is to recover the frac fluid that's been pumped into the formation, to recover that, get it out of the hole, and let the thing come on to its natural production based on its, its inherent reservoir pressure. I think what, what happened with Rex 1 to 3 was that they were pulled on basically as hard as possible to get a great IPO number out there. Yeah. So those wells did come on at you know, great numbers, like 1,000 barrels a day, but it's just not sustainable because it inherently damages the wellbore to treat them like that. So I'm going to give Rex 4 some tender loving care 
I want to bring it on at about 300 barrels a day and at an average gas saturation that we've seen across the field, it will be 300 barrels a day and about 1.4 million cubic feet. And that's about 500, just over 500 MMBOE per day. Uh, th those production numbers do decline um, necessarily. So we've modelled, based on the historical decline curves that we've seen in the existing wells, we've modelled 2% um, per month in terms of production rate. And that's, that's what our ultimate recoverable resources are based on, basically. And, and what are they then for ultimate recoverable? So the ultimate recoverable uh, from one of these wells, that's, uh, and we, we've got the same model for all of our future wells. Obviously, we'll learn as we go along. But the ultimate recoverable is about 150,000 barrels and about uh, 1.2 BCS. Yeah. And so with the gas, is that just pipeline quality gas or do you have to you know, take out some carbon dioxide or take out some LPGs? Or Well, it's quite interesting because it's quite a heavy oil. It's about 16 API and yet it's a very gassy oil, about yeah. a minimum of 5,000 scuffs per barrel. Um, so it gets produced, totally it gets produced co-mingled and it gets to our facility, our separation facility. And then the gas gets piped to, um, it's through existing infrastructure to a gas processing plant run by a company called Petrus. And it's also, it's also a very wet gas. So what they do is they strip out the natural gas liquids and sell, and sell them or, or give them back to us to sell. Mm. Um, and we get something like 20 barrels per million cubic feet. So that's, you know, that's a, it's actually a very good increment on the on the cash flow. Um, the oil itself is oh, it's, uh, and sorry, and then the, the sales gas is fed through an ongoing pipeline to our ultimate customer, who is BP. The oil is trucked from the wellhead to a third party intermediary. We and we use two to play them off against each other and keep them both honest. And they pay us on a monthly basis based on the monthly average of daily oil prices for that month. Yeah, and that's that's uh, based on the eighteen API. It's some sort of heavy oil. It's not Brent or anything like that. It is. It is. That's a good question. It's it's incredibly complicated. We get paid in Edmonton sweet crude, but that's that's what we get paid in. And the way that they calculate it is that it's WTI with a quality differential or discount, basically. Mm -hmm. But then when you convert that to Canadian dollars, when we express, let's, and I use $85 a barrel, WTI US, that equates to about $89 a barrel Canadian West Select. Uh, and, but those are the numbers in our economic modelling. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and what are your operating costs there on a per barrel of oil equivalent basis or per barrel of oil basis? Yeah, so we, the trucking that I just mentioned costs, and, and this also includes, there's 60% of the production is water. I should have mentioned that, Peter. Yeah. So we've got trucking costs to dispose of the water, and we've got trucking costs of the oil to the, to the, the marketer. And in total, that's about $7 a barrel. Um, but th there's also royalties which are imposed upon us of about 17%. And this, I, can't, I won't even begin to explain it. it with a horizontal well, you're passing percentages of your well wall go through different people's property and you end up paying a royalty to the people with the freehold over that property on a percentage of what portion of your well boys under their property. But it averages out at about 17%. What, I, what, what I'd like to flag is that at $85 oil, we net back, net back $64.50 a barrel. 
And at $4 gigajoule gas, we net back to just over $2. Well, that's not too bad. I mean, $4, um, uh, Henry Hub, of course, is, is getting up towards $9 at the moment. But uh, how do the Canadian gas prices compare now? Well, we've been getting paid between 7 and 8 for the last few months. It's dropped a little bit. It's back down to around 5 But I, um, people don't often say this to me, but I take a cautious approach with doing the cash flow modelling because, you know, it, gas is particularly is very seasonal. Yeah. in terms of its price profile. So, you know, as long as I'm doing better than what I've modelled, you know, I think that it's a fairly safe... I can, I can be confident in delivering what I've said I'll deliver. Yeah, well, those um, net back prices are pretty healthy and I think any subscriber listening to this will be able to take the numbers that you've given us in terms of um, annual daily production and the ultimate production and work out a value there. Yeah, I'd like to put some flesh around the, the economic potential, if I can, Peter. Sure. So the existing wells, they're a bit long in the tooth, um, and the production profile is like a J-curve. So it starts off high, drops rapidly, and then flattens off and carries on for, you know, eight years. Um, so our, our current wells are doing about, well, this last night's numbers were 70 barrels. This is all three combined, 70 barrels and about 800 uh, MCF. And that is generating for us um, a net operating income, so after the cost, of about 200,000 Canadian per month. The incremental value of bringing Rex4 online will add in, the, in its first month about 700,000 net operating income. So it'll take our, our first month of production with Rex4. Our monthly income will go from 200,000 to about 900,000. And then, you know, obviously, like the production, it, it, it starts to tail off, but not because the production begins relatively high, um, in the first 12 months, and this is using my $85 oil price assumption and $4 gas assumption, in the first 12 months, it generates free cash. This is Rex4 alone, generates free cash of over 4 million Canadian. And this is important because it, 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 it's going to allow us, I think, to be able to drill Rex5 from self-generated cash. Yeah, and I'd like to, to do go. that without having the spring melt um, uh, you know, ruin everything as, it, uh, as it's done with this well. So typically in Alberta, you drill in, in uh, the late, in the early springs, January, February, March, before the thaw. So that's when I'll be able to drill Rex 5 from self-generated funds. So um, beyond, I mean, Wizard Lake might be able to sort of wash its face and continue to pay for further development. But beyond Wizard Lake, uh, what's the sort of development profile for the for the company? Where do you want to take it? Well, we um, I, I think when we've got Rex four and five in the ground, we really will be looking at a significant um, cash generation, and I think that that's at that point. So maybe in a year's time, maybe slightly less. And we're already getting you know we're already reviewing things. We want to look at expanding the business by asset acquisition, um, probably probably not too far away. So that we can so that we can utilize the existing operations base and, and experience base, but we are looking across North America, to be honest. All right. So, Simon, what's your news flow really for the next six months? Do you think? I mean, it's going to be focused on the ongoing development wells at at uh, Wizard Lake. Yeah, that's a good question. I would hope that on Monday there'll be a, a release that says that we've spotted Rex Four, and hopefully a couple of weeks later there'll be a. Um, going to jinx it now but i'm touching wood 
couple of weeks later, there'll be an announcement that says that we've completed the horizontal section and it's all within oil saturated reservoir. Then we're going to look at funding options, or we're already looking at funding options to do the completion, which is the, the 50 stage hydraulic fracture um, uh, program. And when we get that done, and I'd like to think that I can get Rex 4 online and bringing in revenue by October, then we'll be looking at Rex 5 in, um, I don't know, February. Yeah. And after that, I think I can, we can get into, if that's all works out, we can get into a position to be drilling two to three wells a year. Yes. Um, so the news flow is going to be very much about the Wizard Lake development for the next, well, for the foreseeable. All right. Well, that's an interesting uh, program you've got there, Simon, ahead of you. Um, hope the weather holds out a bit better than it has been, a bit floody there. Thanks for coming in to talk to Stockhead's uh, Rock Yarn today. No, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.